At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, bladesmiths, blacksmiths, whatever you want. We're with you. We're here every week making it happen. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me is Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, and the King, King Kong, King Kong of France, King Kong of France, <laughs> the Welsh mastermind, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. What's going on, guys? Doing good. Craig, you okay? All good. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you do yeah, like King I'm Kong? I'm good. I figured I said I I put you out as King Kong, and you're gonna come out here with a. You I know, don't, what's the King Kong? I don't know. You see my balls clearly. <laughs> just, just you know, I, <laughs> from outer one, space. One of them things that, like, I don't know, just came to my mind. I said the, I said the thing, the king, and then the first thing I thought it was king is Kong, and then I'm thinking about you with in your bathtub. <laughs> king and Kong it's floating Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, come so. on. We're two minutes in, if that. We're talking floating dongs, <laughs> which, which is obviously the title for this show. <laughs> oh, for, for the love of Pete. I leave for one week and all hell breaks loose. Guys, you did a great job last week. I was listening to it on the way back from the Center for Metal Arts. You guys were very informative. Questions, questions, questions. Yeah. A lot of questions. It was good. We rattled through them. It was good That's fun, good. actually. Enjoyed it. I liked it. Mm. Yeah, you guys yeah. did a great job. I, have, I was, uh, mm. I ha- actually, you know what? I was down at the Center for Metal Arts this past week teaching. I was doing some teaching this past really? week. Really? You, you've never mentioned it, really? <laughs> Listen, this is the reason why I'm telling you is because a lot of our <laughs> listeners were down there. So one of them, Brian Yates, I, I just, I, when I'm introducing myself to somebody, I, I'm Jeff Fader, and this guy comes up to me and he goes, Hi, I'm Ben Jamincocker. Like, out of nowhere. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, right out of there. Perfect. And I was just like, oh, fucking knife talk. And, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, Henry Hyde, he, he, Hyde Handmade, he was down there. He's, uh, he, was, he listens to the podcast. And, that kid's doing some good work, by oh, the way. Oh, he's Have such a good – he is smart and funny. And, yeah, uh, nice. and he's really, really talented. And Andy Messimer and 
Ben from Pocket Grind and uh, Exigent Pun and Greg, uh, one of our other listeners who <laughs> gave me some listener feedback, Greg from GA Custom Blades said, "You got to get Craig, you got to get Craig a new uh, cord for microphone or something. Something's on that seat doing something." And I was like, "Oh, this is fucking pot. This is the fucking podcast." And then uh, it was great. It was a real. It was it was uh, excellent, excellent, excellent time. So good stuff. Good stuff. G- oh yeah. I'm going to cut this bit out just a second. I've just had a message flash up that we're running out of recording time. Um, bear what? with me. How do I add? I think it should, should be, be a, a button that says add. Behind the scenes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be. Um, do we need maybe maybe it'll link? flash up when we're closer to the time, maybe. Hmm. It just come up, then it disappeared. So maybe when I'm close. Let's carry on and... <laughs> I keep be. this part in. This might be a three-minute podcast, stuff. ladies and gentlemen. Riveting. You know? yeah. <laughs> I burned it out with Aaron Goff. I know. I'm sorry. I almost, I almost hit. It said there was usually. Well, I mean, if you really want it, no. It usually says if you want to add an hour. You know. That's what it said, but it disappeared quickly, like almost like a notification, but then disappeared. There's no. No, I can't see. What's that say? Service status. No. Let, let's carry on, and if it stops, I'll know, and then, I don't know, it won't stop, I'm sure. If it comes up, I can press something and do something, I'm sure of it. All okay. right. So, so, go ahead. I was, I was just saying, you were saying that there was plenty of listeners at the uh, Country Music Awards. <laughs> Country Music Awards, yeah, I heard <laughs> that all bit. Yeah, it was, I mean, the play, the, the, the Center for Mental Arts has changed in, over the past few years, and now that it's down in Johnstown... There's, it's really amazing and it's different from the other schools and there's, it's not like, you know, some people can, you, you can start a school up, get some anvils, get a forge, you know, learn how to, you know, be a teacher and stuff like that. But there's a lot of history behind there. Cambria Iron used to be a, uh, they used to make, there was a, it was, there was a mill and there was a blacksmith shop with these huge utility hammers and they were forging, you know, six, 400 pound hooks and stuff for like train cars and trains. And it was like a industrial blacksmith shop and what Pat and Dan and the guys at the CMA have done is they've kind of found it. The city of Johnstown wanted someone to kind of take it over as a historic landmark and kind of bring back blacksmithing. It was a, it was a town that's known for this incredible, like, tragic flood that, like, devastated the city. And um, they've really... It's an interesting approach because they've really kind of renovated the spaces and renovated, starting to run, renovate the giant utility hammers, 3,000-pound utility power hammers. Yeah, a- and they're like, it's influencing how the Center for Mental Arts is. Like from the construction of the buildings to the way that they, he has found like pallets and pallets, the old giant tongs. And he's, oh, wow. It's really? fascinating. It's fascinating, and and the perspective that they've taken is very, very inspiring. Inspiring. So the classes have been great, and what's really going to be great is something special. And if you're in the area, you should definitely go down. September 17th, they're having the Cambria Iron Symposium, or uh, Cambria Iron Conference. And the 17th, they're going to, they what they have is they have this giant 3,000-pound hammer. And then they get an artist to come in, and then they have... Uh, uh, Pat and the guys have got a smaller Chambersburg, which to you would be a monster. But when you st- go up against this 3,000 pounder, it's like this baby little giant. 
So they got this smaller version of this power hammer with the exact same um, a methodology of how you drive it. So it's a driver instead of just a foot treadle. And they right. practice this sculpture on this small, make a small maquette on the small hammer, and then they transfer it over to the giant hammer on the 17th. So you'll watch this, you know, 300-pound mm. sculpture being forged. And it's super-duper performative, and everything is very uh, thoughtful, and there's a lot of practice, and there's big stakes, and in order to get the hammer running, you have to rental this equipment, and it's a whole production, and it was exciting. It's it's a super exciting place to be, and and the, the students who were down there were awesome, and Pat and, and Dan were so hospitable, and the space is just amazing, and the, the, the facilities are incredible, and... They actually have uh, the city has been super helpful to them, and they ended up getting this old um, rectory. And you stay where well, I guess that's where the priests used to stay. And now you can uh, they have the students. It's like a dormitory. It's like this dormitory, mm. but you're staying where the priests used to stay. So <laughs> the priest probably still sneaks in then. I didn't see. It. I had a church key. I locked the door. I'm making sure none of them, none of them pesky Johnstown preachers, going to come in here and give it to me. But you can actually walk across the bridge, the same bridge that the workers used to walk across to get to Cambria Iron. So it was really, you know, it was historically amazing, and Pat's fantastic, and it's overwhelming, to be honest with you, what they have to do. But sure. it's, I'm, I'm a believer, and I'm going to, like, do whatever, everything I can to kind of promote this Center for Metal Arts. It's going to be the center, the center in the United States for metal arts, for sure. Nice. Well, there how, aren't many how facilities far away? like that, are there? Well, no, they're not facilities where they have these industrial forging hammers. And forges. Mm. And the whole thing is it's not as if you can go and come for the day and turn the power hammer on and go. You know, it's 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 so, you know, if number one, it's you can't do any open die forging. So, like, if you're using a power hammer with a combo dies and no tooling, that would be open, ha open die, you know, forging, you know. So there, those hammers are so goddamn big that you hit something with it, it's going to be like an explode. So when they work, they have to work with uh, top tools and fullers and different size, you know, bars and stuff like that. And then they have a driver operating it. And then they have a guy working the chain hoist that holds the steel. And then they have somebody working the, the lift to kind of wheel it around. And it's a five-person team. And wow. that's their style of teaching in regards to forging anyway back when they were in New York. It was all striking and working with top tools and working in teams and having partnerships and relationships very similar to what uh, what uh, Cliff and John do, where you have this kind of like team mentality. So now, when you go to these three thousand pound hammers, you got a five person team, and I don't know if you know this, you know Mareko, if you're not holding your steel up on the power hammer right, and it, you know maybe you're not level. Well, oh, it, you Jesus. know, you hit yeah. you, you, when it hits, it might joggle a little bit. Well, with Fuck. a three thousand pound hammer, it'll break your arms. So they're well, constantly and it, depending on the the length of the material. If it's off by a little bit, and you strike that, and it's, there's well, the, oh my the, god, the size of the material that they're using is so big, and it holds the heat for so long. Yeah, you can you know adjust, but I mean, a lot of it is like talking to the driver and you're communicating, and then there's the blacksmith, and there's the assistant, and there's the and it's great, and it's very collaborative, and it's inspiring, and it's exciting, and. There are no other places like that were probably open to the public 
where you would sure. allow that to happen. So it, mm-hmm. I had a great conversation with him. Uh, it's on full blast. The audio wasn't great because I used a travel mic. That's just the way it is. But uh, it was um, it was a great weekend, really great weekend. And he was happy with my job. And he, I did a good job. And the guys had a good job taking the class. And they did a they liked the class very much. And you know I'm getting invited back, so that's good. Cool, cool. A, a hammer that sort of size, what would that originally been designed for then? Because that's, people aren't just making knives on a thing like that. What's, what's dude, that being used dude, for? Dude, this is – so imagine – so the ram and the die is 3,000 pounds. Hmm. So this was made – That's just a, the top part, right? That's the just the top part. That's just Ooh. the top part. This whole thing is like – you know, they so the building that you see a lot of pictures – I know Salem, Srab posts a lot of pictures. And if you see, there's, two, there's a one giant room that they call the octagon. And it was, they call it the octagon. It's built an octa- like an octagon. They have two utility hammers, these giant Chambersburgs. So what they were doing was Johnstown was in Pennsylvania in general. And Pennsylvania, I heard you'd ask. So it's about five hours from me in the city. So it's like, okay. it's, a, it's in the middle of Pennsylvania-ish. You know, it's not too far from, yeah. I guess it's not too far from Pittsburgh, I guess. I'm not 100% sure. So Johnstown, like a lot of these old steel uh, uh uh, areas where there was a lot of it was uh, resource rich the area so the hills were filled with uh, ore and 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 uh, coal so they were they were harvesting all this coal and then what you figure out is is let's build you know something to help the mining close by right so the original idea behind the Cambria iron was and I might be getting this wrong so sue me um, <laughs> was to fix the tooling you know, to help fix the tooling for the mining and stuff like that. And then they started to build industry around this area. And then Cambria Iron opened up, and then they opened up this blacksmith shop. So those giant hammers, like there's a pattern. There's a picture in my, on my Facebook or my Instagram where Pat is standing next to this pattern of a hook for the train mm. cars or something like that. The fucking mm. thing is like five feet tall. So they were forging these monstrous pieces of equipment that they needed for the mill, for the giant mill right, in the area. Yeah. So they were building train tracks and they were building, you know, giant, huge, you know, giant, huge forgings. You know, these things wow. were weighing like, you know, the sculpture he made looks like so puny and it's like 300 pounds. And just knowing how big it was, how it is, <laughs> it's just, it's mind blowing. So, I mean, it was, what they're doing is they're, they're taking history that wouldn't be able to be used by any other company, and they're using their. Pat is very, very smart. He's very, very thoughtful, and he's very, very direct, and he has a great vision. And he, this is the most appropriate way to bring back all this stuff is with, you know, restoring it to the way it was and taking advantage of how things used to look for. I mean, just the windows themselves were put so the workers could get some light and really trying to use instead of gutting the place really using Johnstown as like this impetus behind what they're going to do and now what you asked a good question good question what they would do now with that those hammers is obviously you see people making like parts for boats and parts for all this stuff but this now is going to be for making sculpture and they're, they have Zach Nobles coming in uh, September 17th, and he's going to be doing a class. And a couple weeks before, he's going to come down, and they're going to fucking do the choreography. And that's what it right. really is. The choreography on how you make it on the small hammer, and then they're going to bring it on that day, on the 17th, and it's going to be showtime. And it's going to be hard hats and fucking hold your breath because it's going to be exciting as shit. So. 
I like that you uh, related it to a choreography because I've seen some of, like, even some of them, like, industrial and commercial uh, large forgings that uh, are being done around the world. And it is kind of like, it's a dance in a way that you have this level of communication with the other people working with, um, that even just like the slightest little, um, you know, like tilt of the head or raise of the hand, like it makes an adjust, communicates some sort of, uh, adjustment that needs to be made. And it is, it is, it's wild seeing some of those massive forgings being done because, uh, especially I think some of the ones I've seen and like, uh, I think like maybe in China, the, I mean, the people are standing just like feet away, <laughs> you know, and they're, uh, you know, using these four foot long tongs to adjust the material while they're still, you know, have this giant 3000 pound head slamming down in front of them. I can't even imagine what that sounds like. Well, the, the cool thing is, is when you talk to Pat, you know, when he first got the place. The, the 3,000 pound hammer hadn't been working in, since 92. So mm. everything was all seized up. But sure. this isn't like, so here's the other thing. So then you wonder, well, how is, is it a mechanical hammer? Is it, how is it, everything was worked with steam. So there's not right. a lot of, it's not like a mechanical hammer where there are flywheels and there's all these moving parts. It's just a piston that goes up and down. So his first. Right, you don't th- just hook up a new motor to it. Or yeah, something I mean, like that. you know, he was talking about one of the hammers being like just like at a ridiculous. I, I, I can't even talk the electrical talk he was talking, but it was just okay. like they, they can't even like fathom the, the amount of hertz they have to bring in to move one, you know, this fucking hammer. But it, but it is, it's, it's, it, this, the amount of time he spent just coming in in the morning and spraying PB Blaster down and trying to loosen up the bolts and f- restoring this thing and getting it to that moment where he lifted it up with the, uh, the forklift, he got to lift the hammer up and it held up and it came down and they were like, this thing's going to fucking work. And there was no real, they had to just like, there was a lot of, you know, hope and, and yeah. they made it work and, and, and it choreography. I mean, my opinion in blacksmithing in general, and I'll leave you guys alone. I know I'm going on a fucking total <laughs> rampage, but you know, blacksmithing in general is, should be thoughtful in regards to your movement because you know, that expression strike while the iron's hot comes from blacksmithing. It doesn't come from fucking ma- pillow making. So like <laughs> you have this certain amount of time. Bullshit. Yeah. You have this certain amount of time before that you lose your heat and your steel. So there's a degree of efficiency that you need, you know, now obviously, Obviously, a 600-pound piece of steel has, has a lot more. You get a lot more time on your hands, but in order to be as efficient as possible, there needs to be how you move in the shop, how you move against your anvil, how you know what you're going to do when you take it out of the forge. So, I mean, this is just on a grander scale, and it was really, really exciting to just to kind of be down there to to get all that. So, so yeah, it was awesome. You can tell you're really excited about it, so you must have had a great time. It's I'll good. tell you. It's I'll tell good. you why, and I'll, you know, I'll, and I'll knock it off. Back in the day, uh, 15 years ago, I was at the Center for Middle Arts. And the first teacher I dealt with was Uri Hoffi. And Uri Hoffi used to say, what is the role, what are we going to do in the future as blacksmiths? Now that buildings are no longer using steel railings, and everything's glass and bronze and, and, and stainless steel. He said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's the role of the modern-day blacksmith? So I would ask that question as often as I can when Jesse was doing his original podcast before the Blacksmith's mm. Pub, and we talk about it, and it's the thought of what is the role of the modern-day blacksmith. So to me, this is finally after 15 years of asking this question, I'm seeing the role of the modern-day blacksmith and what Pat's doing. He's kind of the one of the kind of more, not important, but like it's a very important for blacksmithing as a whole 
to kind of rally around this and embrace it. So that's it. Nice. Done. Nice. Nice. Did you say embrace, embrace it, or abrasive? I said abrasive. I said combat okay. abrasives. Combat abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. There we go. Our own little dance. Shall we do um, well, how are you? questions? How are you guys? Um, nobody cares about my week. It's, it's, you, it's been you, a write-off. I thought you had a this shitty week. week. Been, I thought you had a it's shitty, been a week. shitty week. It's a complete write-off. So we'll we'll just move on. Morocco. <laughs> Craig, What's, you wait. I've been playing Hurdle with Craig, kind of. Obviously, oh, you, we've been. I've been sending. We've been sending hurdles back. And ah, forth. you have. Yes, yes. And uh, he's been kicking my ass, of course, because <laughs> I think he is a better ear for music. Wow. So um, hurdles, a, hurdles, a thing. Fun. I guess I, I know you guys played it last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've yes. been actually sharing them with my brother-in-law as well. It's just Craig and my brother-in-law. But Craig's doing Craig's the man. He's got a good ear. Well, when it when it's right. clear and he's not sick and he can hear yes. through them. Yes. Ex- Are you <laughs> yeah, sick now, Craig? Um I'm not, but everybody else is. Oh, Chicken boy. pox is rife in the family. Oh and, no. Uh, it's, yeah, it's de- it's depressing this week. Let's not talk about it too much. But, okay. uh, yeah, should we get back into no, dick jokes and King Kong and the Let's bathtub shit? Dick jokes. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, before we do, Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, and that'll take you to Soul Ceramics, where you can get seventy five dollars off your Even Heat and free shipping in the U.S. So make sure you do that. We put the link down in the description. Um, save money. Why wouldn't you want to? Okay, let's do some questions, shall we? Um, let's have a look. Where are we? We went through so many last week. It, it was well. It was we really have so... questions, and we also have dilemmas, and we also have listener feedback. Okay, uh, actually, okay. let's start with a few from questions. Last week. From la- oh, oh, okay, good stuff. Okay, we'll come to that in a few minutes. Come to that in a few minutes. Um, Rainy Day Forge has got a two-part question. Um, how does the profile of the cutting edge influence the performance of a knife? Um, and also, how much influence does the profile of the non-cutting edge have on cutting? Um, let me let me get my head around that a sec. So like how the does the spine. profile of the <laughs> yeah yeah I'd imagine yeah the, the handle maybe and that kind of thing. How does the profile of the cutting edge influence the performance of a knife? We sort of went through this last week, didn't we, Morocco? With um, you know the geometry and so on. And I think he's um, talking about like the actual like if you're looking at from a profile though. Um, like maybe the curvature, if there's any flat areas and stuff like that. Right. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Silhouette. Go for it then. Silhouette. I mean, I would say that, and I feel like we did talk about this maybe a few weeks back, but I think especially in culinary knives and a chef's knife, um, a little bit of curvature, um, along the entire cutting edge is important because if there's any flat area, um, you know, that cutting force when you're pushing down is then distributed across a larger area versus if it's even just the gentlest curve, um, you're distributing that force into a narrower spot and you will get a more complete cut. I think a lot of people mistakenly just kind of like eyeball a knife and look at a knife that's hanging on the, the wall or even it's a knife they have at home and they're like, oh, this spot's flat. But actually almost 
the, most chef's knives are almost never flat unless unless they are designed for a flat cutting process, like noodle cutting or a certain kind of cutting style for like a nakiri. But even nakiris, even though they look basically perfectly flat, are actually gently curved. If you look at some of the the better um, high quality Japanese manufactured nakiris, um, they are not flat. They are gently, very gently, and subtly curved. Um, but I think it's for that cutting power. Um, but when it comes to other knives, um, I don't know. I just know chef's knives. <laughs> mm. I ain't got no bull mm. elk in my, in my repertoire. <laughs> the sec- the second part then is how much influence does the profile of the non cutting edge have on cutting? Is that the top? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's talking about the profile of the non-cutting edge. He's, he's got to be talking about the spine, surely. Sure. I'm um, so looking at the spine from the top down, um, so where you see that sort of taper. He should be asking his own podcast, doesn't he, Randy? <laughs> Maybe that's what he's doing. He's soliciting us for answers for his I podcast. I think he wants us to. I think <laughs> oh, he's he just wants to trip us up. I think he just wants to us to plug up, his podcast. I think that's what he's looking for. I think he's looking for us to plug that podcast of his with Lando. Uh, probably what it he, is. He and Lando are doing something. What is it called? What's the name of the no podcast? Bag. Forge Side Chat. There you go, Rainy Day Forge. You owe me one. Just send me a <laughs> PayPal, okay, baby? You know how it is. Play Payola. Plugola. I mean, I think this, this, the non-cutting portion of the profile plays a role. I mean, if you look at like the offset serrated bread knife that Jeff's making, I mean, it's basically a chef's knife profile, except for it's got a lot of the material moved away from the spine side, so that the actual slicing portion, which is the more important part, is narrow, so it more easily passes through the food or the bread, you know, the bread or whatever you're cutting it with. You're not getting stuck it. on that gooey, uncooked dough you make. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like fucking gooey, uncooked bread you're passing off on the Your pan. Your lockdown sourdough. Turn the yeah. panty. You're baking all that shitty bread. And you you don't want to get stuck in there with that fucking big old knife. So you got to have that offset serratus to slip right through your gunky bread. <laughs> there we go. You know what's funny? Is Jeff. I was thinking about, uh, in terms of the profile, my K-tip um, breaks like the last inch and a half from the top so what the what the profile that what it does do is it, it it that makes where the tip of the knife at a different uh center line a little bit center to lower than the middle of the knife as if it was like uh you know like a, a european style where it was mm. the tip was higher so the tip the spine does influence the cutting edge because it would influence where your the tip of your knife is yeah there you go. Yeah, makes okay. sense. Okay. Do you want to take the next one, Jeff? Yes, sir. J Mod Knives says, so I've got a tempering question for you guys. I got this pretty sick Hamilton Beach convection oven Ooh. that I got from Goodwill, and I'm thinking of tempering my blades in it. What do you guys think? Uh, is it? Uh, it's an absolute must, absolute must to get tempering oven, or can I get away with that? What I got? I feel like I'll be doing the same thing in a fancy knife oven, getting to 400 degrees and putting blades in it. Thanks for your knowledge, and you guys killed on the podcast. J Mod Knives. So you want to? He wants to put his knives in the microwave, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Did you say microwave? Yeah, or convection we'll put him in that Ham- Hamilton Beach microwave. Give him a little temper out of you know two minutes. Won't that blow? Won't yes, metal don't in put a your fucking knives in the microwave and fooling around. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you're anything like a, a convection sort of hop, you need steel it because it works by magnets and it's the movement of the magnets, I think, that gets the heat. Um, 
I don't know. I don't, I've never used a convection oven. Don't know. But we do have convection hobs here. And what I seem to find is it seems to pulse heat um, on off, on off really, really quickly. Um, so I don't know whether it's giving you that reliable sort of slow ramp up that you'd really want. Um, you know, and holding temperature well. I'm not, I'm not too sure. What convection is really good at is getting to a heat really, really fast. Um, so, so I don't know. I've, I've never used one. I don't know is the answer. I always thought a convection <laughs> oven was just there was a fan in the back. You know, that it yeah, was just kind of like... That it yeah, you're right. Around. You're right. I'm talking conduction oven. I'm talking conduction hob. You're right. Sorry. Convection is it, just a fucking fan, isn't it? It's a normal <laughs> oven with a fan. <laughs> a fucking... It'll probably do it. Yeah, it'll do a good job. Then. It'll just keep that without using, you know, even heat. Um, it wouldn't be as good as an even heat, obviously, but it, a fan will stop any sort of dead spots in a normal oven. I think that's the whole point of having a fan in an right. oven. I, I am yeah. totally, totally, totally against using those little toaster ovens. I'm totally against it. Mm. I totally get, except for like something big, like a hammer, because they, I put one time I used a, a, a toaster oven and all of a sudden, this is a while ago. And all of a sudden I'm like, why are my knives blue? All of them. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. blo- those, those little, those little heating elements, especially if you're tight to them, they just go go crazy and then they cut yeah. off and but you could the thermostats are really really bad and there's no insulation in them either so it's not holding any heat so it's either full blast or off full blast or off right and there's, yeah they're, they're terrible and then i actually got one of those like a tempered uh, like a oven tamer they're like it's a little p what do they call them pids pids yeah. yeah and then it'll 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 regulate it at a very tight a smaller level and it'll constantly be going you know clicking 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 and turning on and turning off i still don't I, I i do i do dislike them intensely and we did actually craig shout out to you we used your we used the craig lockwood method i even i even credited you down in johnstown because we had to temper the knives and i said we got to get this oven down so let's do the craig lockwood Throw in, so get on me all the insulation blocks you got, all those fireproof bricks, and let's pull the heat out of here. And it, you did the trick. Mm. Your move is save the day. There we go. I'll be teaching there next week now. You, you, Show, showing them all how to. That's a Craig Lockwood. Heat up the oven. <laughs> that, we have to make sure that people know that Craig Lockwood came up with a stunner. If you have one even heat or one kiln and you got to get down to temper, you throw some heat, you throw some insulation bricks. Some heat-proof bricks in your oven, and it'll suck that residual heat out of your out of your uh, oven, so you can get down to four hundred degrees easy. Mm. Save the day. Yeah, works well. Works well. Okay, Morocco, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, uh, it's Z. This is from Z Knives. Uh, it says, "I recently started having a few of my repeat uh, models water jet cut." And I'm currently looking to get a CNC router to route out my handles for those models. At what point does handmade become a questionable claim? Uh, keep up the green work. Question: Could it be thirteen knives? Because it's like Roman I was numerals? thinking thirteen. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's X, I'm sure. 13. What is is that? It's is X-I-I. that some? Is that some? Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Z, Z or it could be X either. before. Could, yeah. Wow. I don't know. Nothing. That, that would be a lot of eyes, though, on somebody's name. So it's probably 13. <laughs> there you go. Hmm, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, okay. When is it not handmade? Um, it's one of those questions, isn't it? Um, 
when it's something from a factory, not handmade, if there's a person operating the machines and so on. And we all use machines for what we do. Um, we're not, you know, rubbing our hands to generate heat to a heat, heat, <laughs> well, heat knife. No. Um, talk about, talk about <laughs> I will tell you what I'm rubbing. Talk about a friction folder. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those questions where the lines are blurry and they're getting more and more blurry as we get more and more machinery in our shops. Um, but I generally think of handmade as um, small batch um, made by a single person. I'd say anything there would, would sort of count as handmade. Um but yeah, it's, it's there's no line. There's no that's handmade. That isn't handmade. There's no no real distinction of it. It's a blurred line. And as I said, I think we're getting more and more blurry these days. Um, well, I mean, what do you guys think? It's more of a discussion piece. This there's no real answer to this, is there? It's people are looking for the marketing part of you know what you're putting out there. What, what is yeah. what, how far? What are our boundaries in regards to in regards to what we can label things? You know. I mean, I think the key is transparency, like we've kind of talked about before. And, you know, maybe, you know, you're not sculpting the handles by hand. But I guarantee when you assemble them, you know, you got to put an edge on. You got to maybe you got a little bit more grinding you got to do on them. After Obviously, after you water jet, like you're doing some of the finishing work. So I think by using terms like semi-custom or, or hand-finished or something like that is maybe a little bit more accurate. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with using any of that stuff. I think the real mm. key, though, is being transparent about your process because, and, and you don't obviously don't need to go like into every single detail. I just think, you know, saying hand like if I had a knife that was water jet, then it was sent somewhere else that was machine fin uh, ground, <clears throat> and 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 it already had holes in it, so I wasn't even drilling holes. I had scales made somewhere else. But the important part is how those things come together and how they ultimately end up leaving the door. Like, that's hand finishing, and that's kind of, like, while it's cool to have the skills to do all that stuff, really how it actually ends up leaving the shop is probably one, the more important part of all those processes. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want a giant piece of shit leaving the shop and you also probably got to sh sharpen it. You, you don't want the handle sc scales like hanging off the tang, even by maybe a 32nd of an inch or something like that. Cause at the, when the user gets it, it's not going to be great experience for them. So there's little touch ups here and there. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I think handmade is this word that people use as it, it's, it's a, like a mark of quality. Um, and you know, that, that the craftsman really knows what he's doing. Um, but I think it's easy to forget when, you know, he's mentioned things like, you know, I'm using a CNC router to, you know, rough up my handles. People forget the skills involved in that. You know, any monkey sure. can take a bit of sandpaper and, and, and sand something down, but the, the <laughs> skills required to do what he's doing are actually maybe even greater. So, it, it, you know, we, we shouldn't look at it as if it's, oh, you know, they're cutting corners. Um, they've actually had to upskill in a completely different area. So, you know, they, they, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's not to, not to look down your nose at somebody who uses that kind of stuff sure. because they're using like, you know, a skill set that, is, you know, that's incredible that most people don't have. Um, but it's just that word. It's it's quite divisive, I think, handmade. People imagine this this old man with toffees in his pocket and who, you know, gently strokes his wood. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> What does Werther's have to do with this? What are you talking? What do you mean? Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's got this romanticism to it, all. hasn't it? To be honest with you, it sounded like a pedophile for Christ's sakes. <laughs> what the hell? 
I mean, I, uh, I was yeah. trying to figure out if any monkey's using sandpaper, any monkey should be using Rhino Wet. Rhino Wet from Adasi USA is the best sandpaper on this market. And if you are a monkey who knows what you're doing, get off of that tree <laughs> and get yourself some Rhino Wet from Texas Farrier Supply. TexasFarrierSupply.com has all sorts of great knife making and blacksmithing and farrier supply stuff. And if you put in promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off your bananas, babies. So go get yourself some Rhino Wet from Adasi. USA from Texas Ferry Supply, and don't be like the rest of the monkeys. Be the best monkey you can be. Rhino wet. Nice. That's it. Nice. We'll stop monkeying around. <laughs> I think um, back what, to that. What, what are your thoughts, Jeff? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think that uh, I think that there are certain people who mischaracterize what they're doing. I think that there are people who say their knives are forged when they're not forged. I think that people have a tendency to uh, market their things for other knife makers to give them a pat on the back. I think that mm. a lot of people are looking for some sort of um, you know, brotherly love from other knife makers, so they're using words and they're you know, being very cautious in regards to what they're doing. I don't really see this as a knife making business as much as I see it as a metal metal shop. So I try to like the farther away I am to from you know fader knives being involved with the blacksmithing stuff, the better. And I like it that way. Like I'm not going to be selling these friction folders because I'm just keeping it as a student thing, as a school thing, as a class project thing. And I I don't really get too bogged down. At the same time, like there are opportunities where we could say something, and I choose not to. You know, I don't, when people say, I lo I, I get my, my forged knives from Jeff, I'm not making forged knives mostly. So it's like, I correct them and it's just like, and it's not like, don't say that anymore, but it's just like, you know, let's just say it the way it is, you know? Yeah. 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 But, I agree. you know, I, I agree. I think it's a tough spot because, you know, it's funny. I was, now I remember is I remember a couple of years ago, I might've even mentioned this before is that company Leatherman, or if you're from Brooklyn's Leatherman or from the Midwest, Leatherman, they did this ad where they said that all their, all their multi-tools are, uh, uh, the machines are pushed by man, push-button by hand, they're hand-pushed-buttoned. So the, I was like <laughs> stupefied because it was just like our Leatherman multi-tools, whoever puts them on the machine presses a, a, it's a person pressing a button. <laughs> and it was like that was their level of like how handmade it was that there's a dude <laughs> pressing a button. It's got that human element. To get yeah, that human element. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone is inspected by, you know, some, you know, Earl. You know, it's ridiculous. But the toffee's the, in his pocket. The toffee in his pocket stroking <laughs> his wood. <laughs> toffee. Is that, okay. Is that a thing, Let's do toffee one, in your one more. Tom, that's what old men do. They have toffees to, to attract the youngsters, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and puppies at home. Yeah. Right. We'll do one more question. The next one is from Kaz, which I'll read now, and then maybe we do some listener feedback about last week's show, which I'm quite interested in. So um, at Cas, uh, I think it is, uh, K-A-S, again on Instagram. If you've got any questions for us, that's the way to do it. Instagram, DM us, and um, Jeff does a really good job of sort of cataloging all them for us, so thank you very much. Anyway, Cas says, Hey, man, I have another question. One of my last blanks came very warped out of heat rate. Almost a centimetre of deflection over Holy a 25 centimetre blank. Wow. Um, I got it straight during temp tempering, no worries, but I still wonder if this would be a weakness in the blade over longer times. Um, what do you think, wise masters? 
Um, wow, that was a hell of a warp. But he's managed to straighten it out. But that's a good question and one that I'm I wouldn't know the answer to. But um, I'm interested in hearing. Um, Mareka, what do you think? Do you think that's going to ha- ha- be a weakness in the blade? I don't think it's going to make a weak a weakness in the blade. There could be some memory though uh, in the mm. material if it somehow gets overheated maybe even just by sitting in a windowsill in the sun or something like that um that could bring some of that curvature back um but i think part of the it's something that's kind of hard to avoid especially if you're using steels like abl or something like that because usually abl comes from um, companies abroad and to the u.s and is in a coil form so it's when it's rolled out at the mill and stuff it doesn't get cut up in the sheets it gets rolled up into a coil and um and so some of that memory in this i don't know memory in the steel sounds weird to say out loud no but you're right um but Mm. it's definitely an issue um especially when it comes to the the, you know to the working Mm -hmm. of it and getting it ready or even through heat treat like he's saying um but i think ideally you know i i have no, basically no experience with this and jeff might be um a better person to lean on because he he's worked with more stainless and abl than i have but i you know i hope that once you get it done through heat tree that everything's good but i could see how exposure to extreme heat or extreme cold might have some funky effect on the material possibly but i'm mostly pulling that out of my ass the memory thing you said is right because if you think about it, like even if you're in, if you're, if you back in the day when we were using plasma cutters on eighth inch steel plates, you know, mm. you cut the, you cut a piece out of the middle, and all of a sudden it springs out and it's got a warp in it, or you know, the steel has memory in it, and I get worried, like when I have my stuff laser jet, water jet cut, um, I always wonder if it's going to come to me a little bit warped. Like in my mind, I think, oh depending on how the steel was or the memory of the steel, will it come to me warped? And I always, before I heat treat it, I always straighten it before it goes in the kiln. Uh, luckily for me, and I have, I'm, I'm, this is an unsolicited plug, but I was just with uh, Bree Pettis, and he was complimenting the water jet services. He was looking at some of my blanks, and he was complimenting the New Jersey Steel Baron's water jet services because he's dealt with a lot of, you know, some garbage. And I was actually very worried that the forks are very thin, and I was worried that there would be a little bit of memory when I, they showed up, and they mm. were straight as an arrow. And there, that, but that is something to to think about: is how the plate was stored, or what, how much tension's in the in it, or there are things that you can. The memory is probably the reason why it was like that, and that's one of the reasons why temp, um, normalizing is so great. Obviously, not normalizing stainless. Mm. But mem- uh, you, you know, when you have a, war- a little bit of a warp in a in a carbon steel knife, you fix that in the in the in the normalizing, like the three stages sure. of normalizing. You get that warp right out before you heat treat it. Um, I don't. In regards to weakness, I don't see it being a weakness if it's hard when it comes out. Even if it's warped, and it comes out hard, and then you and then you shim temper it and get it right. I don't see how it's a weakness, but. I'm with you, Mareko. I, you know, in regards to being weakness, I'm not 100 percent sure. But I, the key is yeah. is to get that shit in the kiln straight when you start with. Don't count on. Yeah. And don't count on your plates. Don't count on your plates to straighten out a, a warp that's got memory, a seal got memory in it. You're gonna. That's not gonna yeah. do it. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, talking about memory, maybe that's something else. But actually, weakness. 
I think, you know, sometimes we forget what we're making. We're, we're, we're cutting onions and potatoes with what we're making. Um, you, you know, you're not batting through huge logs. So I don't mean you to worry too much about weakness, you know, for what they're being used for anyway. But um, we have some unsolicited advice that I've heard. Well, no, we have listener feedback. This one actually... Listen, sorry, listener feedback, listener feedback. We get, yes, well, yeah. you know, sometimes you get unsolicited advice and I just erase it because it's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> do with this? Um, I can see you pulling like the Bugs Bunny, like, shit up. <laughs> no, I just like, you know, sometimes you just got to like pretend I didn't see it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so this one comes from Butch Sullivan, who I want to give a shout out to Butch Sullivan. He just did a great raffle that went to the uh, Jose Andreas's... Uh, getting some money to them who are feeding the, uh, the people in the Ukraine. So Butch, Butch is, a, Butch is mm. the man. Hey, guys, speaking of the last episode, I took Mareko's advice from before and placed a few knives in a small shop. It's awesome to have someone else market and price your work. Cheers, guys. So you guys are talking about maybe going to a small place and, mm. you know, having someone else sell your knives, and Butch took, took you up on it. So yeah. there you go. There you go. Uh, Glad it worked, Butch. Yeah, Butch is the man. Philly. He's a real Philly. Uh, PA, he's part of the PA crew. Um, is he walking around slapping people for no reason? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We can talk about that later. Shout out we to, need to talk about that shout later. Shout out to fucking Craig Lockwood for putting last week's show up like hours after poor old Chris Rock got a knuckle sandwich and you put it in the you put it in the thing I was fast 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 <laughs> so Wilder Knives of Alaska says I ordered my even heat LB22 from Soul Ceramics I'm in Alaska and had some weird hang ups with their system and it wasn't wanting a ship up here and they were super duper helpful and very responsive I even got emails from them on a Sunday they got me all squared away and sorted out. Great people and very helpful. So shout out to Even Heat and Soul Ceramics for hooking up Wilder Knives of Alaska. Nice. Nice. That's great. Alex Cope says, thanks for the advice, Craig, and congratulations on the little one. I'm eager to try those places out when the workshop is set up. Uh, I think he, that was... Oh, that was the guy moving to France, wasn't it? Yeah. Bumfuck France. But that's, it. <laughs> that's it, yes, he's moving yeah. to bumfuck France. I mean, that's a special. You couldn't be more bumfuck than here. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Get your worthers. You know, I'm just looking out the window now. Just look at the Go window. Ahead. It's April the first, and we've got like deep snow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like properly settled, and you think it's fucking April. What is going on? Madness. When I was down Madness. in Johnstown, it started snowing, and I was supposed to leave Sunday after the class, and it's a five-hour drive. I was going to leave it like whatever. The class ends at five. Started snowing mm. so bad, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to stay here because I wanted to go to the shop on Monday. I got a lot to do. And I was calling my wife. I was like, dude, I'm really sorry. I just can't drive five hours at night in the snow. Luckily, yeah, but the, yeah. and then Pat says, Pat says, oh, well, you know, I'll make it up to you. If you have to stay over, we'll make hammers tonight. And I was just like, oh, my God, I hope the fucking snow really comes down. <laughs> really <laughs> comes down. But it, it cleared up and I took off. But uh, the snow in, in the end of March, go, for, go forget it. This is terrible. Madness. I was literally in shorts last week, last Monday, Tuesday, boiling hot in the garden. Actually, fell asleep in a hammock at one point in the garden. It was like you. summer's here with a margarita. And now and it's him. not quite, but uh, <laughs> but now it's it. Yeah, the snow outside is ugh, bonkers. Alex also wants you bonkers. to know. Alex also wants you to know if you still want a replacement drummer. I'm an hour away, so drop me a line. So really, yeah, Alex <laughs> Cope's ready to t t tune your guy up. So nice. Nice. Whoa, whoa. 
I've, I've just put two things together. Go ahead. Alex Cope came up on Facebook, I believe, this week, that he's literally moving to France with his girl. I'm sure that's the same guy. That's weird, if so. How two word worlds have collided, if so. What are you talking about? What's so weird about it? It's not, it's not Stuart Copeland from the police. I mean, it's, no. this is somebody you obviously are friends with on, on Facebook. No, I'm not friends with him on Facebook, but somebody else is, and they they congratulated him or something, and I saw that because somebody huh. I know was friends with him. That is, I'm going to check that in a minute. That is weird. Let's hear it that for is weird, the, so. the, uh, the, the bumfuck France society. Yeah. If it is the same guy, he's got a, like a song on Spotify, and I went to it, and I listened to it, and it was really good. Um, which he released like in January or something. So if that is you, Alex, hello. Well then, well let's then, fire your, let's fire your drummer and bring him in on the I show. They already we fired him now. We've, they got, already we've, we've already got a new drummer. <laughs> let's fire the next <laughs> guy. Let's bring Alex. In. Let's do. It. Let's have some fun on this podcast. April first. Let's fire somebody. Come on. <laughs> I got a funny story to tell you. I'll call him up live on the show now. I'm firing. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, I feel terrible about this. But speak, this is April Fools, by the way. So I was at I was working at a uh, a bakery a number of years ago, long time ago, and we had these young kids working, and they were great. And one of them was, you know, she was she was, you know, she talked a lot, but she was really nice, and she had the hiccups. And she said, she just kept on saying, no one can ever, I'll never get rid of these hiccups. No one will ever get me to get rid of these hiccups. And I said, I'll bet you I can get you, I get rid of those hiccups. And she goes, there's no way. Doesn't work. Getting scared doesn't work on me. So then five minutes later, I had her come to the back and I said, listen, I'm really, really sorry, but, um, it's not working out. And I fucking fired her. And I said, I said, you're great, but it's just not working out right now. And this is your last night. And she oh. stopped. And I said, how are the hiccups? <laughs> and she was furious. <laughs> but at the same time, I was just like, you can't tell me. I can't get rid of your hiccups. Obviously, I didn't fire her, but it was like hilarious. And my friend, one of the guys was like, I can't believe you did that. I was just, and I was, I wouldn't do that now. But at the time, I just remember she just dared me. She dared me. I'm like, I'm going to fucking uh. scare the shit out of you. That reminds me of The Office, where he, where David Brent sacks Dawn for stealing the stationery. And he said, oh, it's just a joke. She started crying. He's like, whoa, 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 it's just a joke. You know? <laughs> that was a good one. That was, yeah. I didn't, I, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, I just, I didn't let it suffer. I didn't let her suffer for a long time, but it was like, <laughs> mm. you know. But My kid's trying to okay, figure news, out how. News just in. Oh, okay. So, so, Sorry, Marek, just a sec. Yeah. Um, Alex Cope, um, I've just looked on Facebook, and yeah, it is. I think what had happened, he'd liked Uplift, my band. And I went to have a look who he was, and it's this guy who's in a band, and he's just moved to France. I didn't realise the knife-making connection, too. Wow, a small world. Anyway. Hello, Alex, by the way. <laughs> you said hello to him twice. You can't say hello back, you know? <laughs> You're talking to his radio. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, sorry, Marek, I rudely cut you off then, by the way. Anyway, no, sorry. no, you're good. Uh, I, my kid is five years old, and he's trying to figure out... He, like, he's developing a sense of humor, and it's pretty interesting and fun to watch. Uh, but he hmm. knows that April Fool's Day, you're supposed to play tricks on people. But he doesn't understand... Like, he'll say something fake, and then half a second later, he'll just be like, April Fool's, instead of, like, letting it sit and marinate <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> And he's just like losing yeah. it. Yeah, he's like, ah, ha, 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 that was so funny. And so I, uh, I talked to him today about how and I should. I'm gonna talk a little bit lower, uh, just a little bit, because my wife is just in the other room. But I tried to come up with a trick for him to <laughs> do to her, because she's gonna pick him up in about an hour. And um, I'm like, all right, when you're almost home, start apologizing to mommy. Tell her that you had an accident. <laughs> oh, no, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's going to start freaking out and try to figure out someone to pull over. And when she starts to slow down, you tell her April Fool's. <laughs> oh, my God. What if you, what if they have an accident? A no, real accident. Oh, don't say that now. Come on. We do not live in an area where the traffic's so heavy that she would have an accident pulling over. That's whole- that's, that's why you moved that, because of your issues with traffic. That's why <laughs> yeah. you moved to where <laughs> Yeah, less, less dumb fuckers on the road. What? <laughs> What April yeah. Fool's jokes do you guys have or you remember? I, I've always oh, they're been they're always lame, aren't they? Yeah, I've always, always been lame. horrible. I've never actually I don't think I've really ever done a, an actual practical April Fool's joke. You've never put saran wrap on the inside of a toilet and let the put the seat down <laughs> for your sister to sit on? Nope. Mm, I have. Okay. <laughs> How did that go over? Not well. Not well. <laughs> not well for her. Not well for me, ultimately. So She was pissed yeah, off. I, I, pissed off. Pissed I mean, it was like <laughs> pissing onto a trampoline is what it was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> fucking bad. But uh, <sighs> the only trick I ever did on my kid when she was in first grade was I'd make her lunch. And instead of putting her, I put her lunch in a different part of her backpack. And then I just put a, a squash in her lunch box, in her lunch bag. Oh. <laughs> so she sat down like a big spaghetti swash we never ate. And I wrote on it, April Fool's enjoy your lunch. And she, she's sitting down with her friends, first grade. She opens up this ridiculously heavy lunch box, and there's a fucking squash for lunch, uncooked. Just this fucking melon. This fucking squash is great. She remembers that. She's like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it again to you too. <laughs> Okay. First day in university. We got yeah. I got another one from uh our only Olympian listener. Remember Lawrence oh. Britton? Ah, yes, yes. He is yeah. he is our he's our like highest level athletic. I mean, I, we used to have some high level athletes listen to us. I don't think they listen to it anymore, but I know Lawrence is still with us. An Olympian. <laughs> Olympian. 
Hey, Jeff, still listening to religiously to your show, and it's so fucking good. I have to tell you, uh, I didn't have the best Tokyo Olympics, so I didn't message in, and I didn't think it would be able to, I wouldn't, I didn't think I would be able to take the abuse. Come on, Lawrence. We're not going to beat your brakes. <laughs> You're Olympian. What do you think we're going to do? Give you trouble? We're not. Never. Absolutely love your show, and when the three of you are together, it's the best. Keep crushing it. Since the games, I brought a carpentry workshop. So um, not quite knives, but I'm getting closer than rowing. He's, a, he's an Olympic rower. Mm. One of my first clients asked how much cheaper it would be if they supplied the wood. So I had a good laugh. You guys uh, prepared me well. <laughs> we supply the wood. We had a few episodes where we asked the listener to say, what was your weirdest custom request? So, uh, and then he goes, also on a strange request, the previous owner of my workshop told me this great story. His neighbor asked if he could make a cross. So Sam says, uh, Sam said, uh, he said, uh, sure, but it's not a religious cross, but a small cross. That's pretty straightforward. Turns out to be a life-size cross with leather straps for some serious bondage. And I'm sure that <laughs> oh, they have Jesus. something similar in Craig's hotel room. This is a real listener. It's <laughs> a real listener here. Um, to make it even more awkward, it turns out I knew the neighbor as his wife worked for my school. Oh, oh my God! You guys are killing it. <laughs> Keep up the quality work, Lawrence Britton. We're doing the we're doing the South African national anthem in honor of your Olympics, and we're with you. There we go. There we go. I tell you what's Olympic winning? <laughs> Fucking Dharma steel. Dharma steel. The the stainless steel of champions. Um, so you're if you're, into, if you're into Damascus and you'd like to be using stainless. You want to use the best stuff, which is which is Dharma Steel. Um, go take a look at dharmasteel.se. Um, they've got a full catalogue of all the different patterns and so on that they do there. Um, and if you use Knife Talk when you check out, once you have an account with them, you'll get 10% off too. So, yeah, dharmasteel.se. But you can also look at Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram and see some of the like real high-end stuff that people are making with Dharma Steel. So go, go take a look at Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. I have one last uh, time-sensitive listener feedback from Will Miller, and I, we would all probably like an update. Will Miller says, Craig needs to start wearing his face shield for diaper changes. <laughs> how's that? Yes. How's that? Yeah. How's the old... It's calmed a little, I'll be honest with you. I think, yeah, I think he was maybe he was just very keen before. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's calmed a little. So whether we're just getting better at it, I don't know. Um, but I haven't been pissed on. Probably in three days. Hey, uh, <laughs> talk. Just something I never thought I'd ever say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, we also have tough scenarios. If you want to hit those, um, you know, we haven't done those in a little bit. Yeah, we haven't done it in a while, have we? Yeah. Um, it's generally always me saying yes, take the money. Um, but yeah, let's do one. But first of all, let me let me tell everybody about Maritime Knife Supply. So if you're a, in Canada. Or even if you're in the U.S., because they do ship to the U.S. as well. Um, but they're a Canadian distributor of combat abrasives, for example. Um, they do steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. They do a one-stop shop for the knife maker. They do everything. Um, so, yeah, go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. They're on Instagram, too. Um, and they have a deal at the moment where if you buy a 10-pack of belts, you get 10% off as well. So, yeah, go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Give us a tough. Give us the uh, conundrum then. Okay, Jeff. guys. And P.S. If you follow us, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can interact with the show. We just send them all your 
tough scenarios or your questions through the DMs, and we will do our best to answer them. Or Rainy Day Forge and, the, and Lando can probably answer them too, I'm sure, over whatever podcast they are. Forge side chat. All right, there you go. Uh, Derek <laughs> Riley says, Derek Riley says, I'm not sure if this applies as a dilemma, but you're the pro. A friend from college has told me that her son is a huge fan of Knives and Swords. She shows him a few knives that I've made and has got him excited that the mom knows someone who makes knives. She asked me to teach her son. The issue is her son is six. I'm guessing the captain. Oh, f- <laughs> I'm guessing the captain says take the money, but six is a bit younger for <laughs> knives. <laughs> Love the show, guys. Take a deposit for when he's eighteen. <laughs> Love the show, yeah. guys, and thanks for the hours of entertainment. So. How do you tell this mom that six year old's got to hang tight for another twelve years? Yeah, well, if he's got an obsession with knives and swords, I'd I'd be worried at six, <laughs> to be honest with you. Jesus, um, give him some matches first. Let's get him in a be a pyro first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, do the normal stuff like yeah. first. first. You know. Yeah. So. You you just you can't be involved in that in any way, can you? You can't you can't even have a six year old running around your shop, you know, having a look at what you're no, doing. It's, it's just a no no. It's a no-no. It's, I mean, I'm not going to be offensive to the mother, but she should not have even asked. I mean, she should know better. Hmm. You know, she should know. Come on. I mean, it's like, let's just be frank here. I mean, your six-year-old might be a goddamn genius, but the chances <laughs> are, I mean, chances are it's just not. The, I mean, this isn't like, you know, Will Stelter. You know, we're not talking, this isn't Will Stelter Jr. here. I mean, she's got to sit it out. She shouldn't have even put you in the position of being asked. That's really what I think. Yeah. So, I'm this, or like we said, take a deposit till he's eighteen, and um, <laughs> run with the money. Is this a family friend or something? I can't remember the beginning of. The I question. can't believe it. I can't imagine. I don't know. It's like a friend from college has told me that her son, a friend from college. Yeah, eh, look, college. these things. These people think yeah. that it's like you know romper room over at the over at the shop. It's you can't have children in your shop. I mean, no. what can you do? I mean. You could you could have them come in and do it. You could demo for the kid. That would be cool. Maybe sure. have maybe maybe tell the mom that you know he can come in and watch me do something. But I mean, six year old. What kind of six? I mean, six year old. Can I even think six year old can sit down for for half an hour? You no. Know? Hmm. No, it's not good. Right. It's not good. That was easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alex from Improbable Iron says, "Hey, what's up, guys? I'm relatively new to knife making." Uh, but I'm fortunate enough to have a, uh, a slow but steady stream of orders coming in. But of course, it wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not turn down. Wait. But of course, I wouldn't not turn out more orders. All right. So he's got a lot of orders, but he's not saying no. So recently, I've had a lot of people ask if they can come check out my workshop. To be honest, I really don't like the idea of strangers in my shop and asking me a bunch of questions. But as I said, I would of course like more orders. So do I say yes and suck it up in hope of picking some new customers up, or do I keep what I'm doing, uh, what I'm doing, and focus more on the traditional marketing techniques? Thanks, guys. Love the show. So, hmm. how do you feel about people coming pop for a pop in? It's it's difficult because most of us have shops. We're not all Toma. We're not all you know Florentine knives with this beautiful space, which is which is I suppose almost designed to get people in as well to sort of marvel at how beautiful it is. But um, most of us have small places that are dangerous for us to be in, let alone other people to be in. 
And when we have a small shop, we know where everything is. Everything has its space. And it's not a good place for other people to be in, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I personally say no. But if they're, if, you know, if they're really keen on knowing how an order that they have is being made, you know, use, you know, send them videos, that kind of stuff, um, which, you know, you control. I, I wouldn't let, you know, just randoms just, you know, in the shop. Because it's, it's a time suck as well, isn't it? You know, having people there... You know, they say, oh, I'll be quiet or whatever. They're not going to be quiet and they're going to be picking stuff up and it, your mind's not going to be on what you, you need to be on. It's, I, I don't think it's a good Might idea. Might as well have that six-year-old in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got, I got the answer. You ready? Go all the time. Go for it. You let them come visit the shop when the knife is done and they're ready to pick it up and pay you. I Otherwise, got, they can stay out of your hair. <laughs> I don't think even. I don't even. Th- I think that he says that these people haven't bought knives yet. They That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Don't let them come by your fucking shop unless they're a paying customer. It's it's it's. You know who used to come to my shop a lot were like, do depressed dudes. I've actually probably had more. <laughs> I've had more crying men in my shop than others. Like. And I'm now not you have, kidding. and now you have full blast podcast. And now I have full blast podcast. And and I've <laughs> yeah. had I've had people trying to you know getting divorced. I've had people who are, hate their jobs. I've had like they think that it's like you know the shrink is in session. And I have friends of mine who have tattoo parlor have the same problem. People come in to hang out. It's not it, it. What Craig says is true. Is a total time suck, and it's it's too. I can't afford to just like take an hour out of the day to you know i have deadlines i get super deadlines um and speaking of just this reminds me actually i had uh i had a guy come in uh yesterday brie pettis to to do some work and i was going through i was looking for the the uh our waivers we have shop waivers if you're in the shop you work in the shop you got to sign away you know hold harmless or whatever and i was looking through the hold harmless signed waivers and this is a deep cut for some of the knife talk listeners. You guys remember my old uh, employee Carl? Yeah, Carl mm-hmm. Childs. Well, that motherfucker signed the signed the the hold harmless with a different name. <laughs> like he's a smart kid. No, he's not a smart kid. He's a total pain in the ass, and he <laughs> he was always difficult. And I, I fucking you loved I fucking him. I loved, loved him, but kid. I also threw him out relatively recently out of the shop just because he was annoying the shit out of me. But he just decided <laughs> he signed he signed his name's Carl Childs. He signed it Carl Fernandez, and I, <laughs> and I never even and I'm just like who the fuck is Carl Fernandez? I'm like that little bastard. He made it up. <laughs> Fucking, I mean, holy shit! Fucking Love Carl it. Fernandez. I mean, who the fuck is Carl Fernandez? Little bastard. I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna Brilliant. next time I see that little bat. I bought. I bought him dinner before he before he left for wherever he left for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna grab him. Shake him loose a little bit. <laughs> fucking Carl Fernandez. Fernandez. Lily White. Lily White. Uh. Tall, skinny dork from Croton. He come putting his, putting his name out as Carl Fernandez. Hilarious. I mean, it was funny. Last time I was looking at it, I was just like, who the fuck is Carl Fernandez? It had to be Carl because he's just a giant pain in the ass. That's super funny. I love that. Yeah, Brilliant. It's funny, right? Brilliant. Stupid kid. All right. So, uh, so people are coming into your shop. People coming to your shop, they're, they're wasting your time. If they're interested in it, you know what? They should just get themselves their own little grinder. They're, they're not expensive, um, they're very affordable, and they can do lots of things. Tell them to go and get a broadback. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Honestly, I love my broadback. Uh, and I'm, 
I've been using it lately, honestly. I've been fucking up knives in the forging, uh, but I've been fixing them in my grinding. And I'll tell you, it's uh, <laughs> thanks to that broadback <laughs> that I can get that job done. Uh, they're a great machine, and I, you know, I've said it before, but they're basically like a Swiss Army knife for the shop. And you can get, you know, with the various tool arms that they offer, you can have like four or five different machines all in one. Um, you know, from a buffer to a disc grinder to a belt grinder to all kinds of shit. Uh, so get yourself a Broadbeck. Make sure you put in Knife Talk at checkout so you can get an automatic upgrade to uh, the Marco Deep Platin. Uh, so you can get all those heavy contours. And Broadbeck is also offering uh, f- uh, financing through a third party. So they got a third party that they're working with, a trusted third party, uh, where they can do either a four-month same-as-cash financing or break it down over a longer period of time. Um, but go to their website. Again, it's broadbeckironworks.com. Go take a look at their machines that they're offering. And uh, and if you already got a chassis, you can also just get a hold of some of their tools arms are super handy and really useful so get a hold of them broadbackironworks.com if you're gonna get in a debt get in fix a debt. your fuck ups with a broadback if you're gonna get in a debt get in a debt with the best of them you know what I mean? <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's a strap line there we go <laughs> we got a couple more good dilemmas this one comes from feral boy knives here's a dilemma i would rather just make what i want uh, when I want and take my time but i keep getting customer custom orders and these fools keep giving me money to make them stuff I feel added pressure to hurry to get things done when they've already put the, down the cash. Do I take my time and release the blades when I want or just keep taking orders and deal with the stress of a self-imposed deadline? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a question we get a lot of, I think, um, about, you know, people wanting to do their own thing, but, you know, they've got orders in and, you know, where do you go? You've got to go where the money is, I suppose. Um, everybody's different. I think that's the conclusion we come to every time that everybody's different. Everybody's right. going to have their own sort of, you know, financial constraints and all the rest of it. And we don't know whether you've got, you know, mortgages and whether you've got kids and all the rest of it. So, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to tell you to, you know, not take the money. Um, you need to do what's right for you. Um, but maybe if that's what you want to do, you can maybe slowly transition out of that by, um, you know, limiting the amount of orders that you will take and using that other time then to, you know, make your own stuff and maybe set up a newsletter and see if you can sell them just as quick. You know, there's, there's plenty of ways around it. But, yeah, we don't know. We're not going to give any sort of financial advice on this show. <laughs> I'll give you some financial advice. I was here. Go on I want to hear you. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I say do it. I mean, this, there's. I mean, <laughs> fucking, you're in business or not? I mean, this is this weird. We're in this weird limbo, and this podcast has turned into like for you know the funny thing is is like we're not talking to hobby people. Like we could just say, all right, this podcast is for just the the fun and love of knife making, but we end up. People get involved with the fun and love of knife making, and then all of a sudden it's the fun and love of making a little bit of money. And then it's like, do we make money? Are we in business? Are we not in business? What are our goals? Are we interested in growth? Are we interested in growing as a company? Is this something I just want to stay, you know, make what I want and then sell it for extra cash, or am I turning this into a business? And I think that these are issues that these questions are always asked by people who have been, and I'm not, I don't know this feral knives. I'm with you 100%, 100%. Some people have worked in shops and they don't like it, or they worked in jobs, they don't like it, and they find something that they like, and then all all of a sudden they think I'm going to quit my job and do what I love. But then it's like the self-imposed 
you know, corporal punishment of the pressure of, uh, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and then being stressed out for the fact that you have the business. You know, mm. I think you got to figure out what your goal is and then meet that goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like Craig was saying, you know, it's a, we all, there are a lot of different ways you can hack at this. I mean, I think if you have that much demand, then you can probably start a newsletter for sure. And, and that way you do have somewhat of a side outlet for, you know, maybe you commit to one or two custom orders a month, but then you, the rest of the time you are focused on some side projects that then get released to your newsletter. And if you have enough demand, you shouldn't have a problem selling those. Now, if you're concerned about making that transaction happen in that moment, because you might lose that person to some other direction, then I don't, you know, maybe the I don't know. That's a, I feel like that's a totally different thing that I don't really have an answer for. And maybe that's not necessarily the person you want to be your customer. And especially if you're not in the position, you know, if you don't have inventory sitting around, um, but if you have inventory, mm. then you can direct them that way. Cause honestly, like I, I think a lot of people think they want a custom handmade knife that's made just for them. But I think ultimately like a lot of people also are really kind of connecting to you as the maker. Um, and they just want something from you. And um, and I think also if you do a mix of the, of the newsletter versus, uh, the custom stuff, then maybe your custom, like your full custom, if you're actually doing full custom or some form of custom work, you just charge a premium for that. And then maybe that will actually incentivize people to do more of the newsletter and just go with what you're making instead of paying that extra premium for the custom work. But yeah. it, and it doesn't need to be as binary as as custom or or non-custom either. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, when people want something custom, most of the time they're generally talking about the handle, you know, right. maybe even like colors, for example. Yeah. You know, your blades probably aren't changing that much anyway. Um, so you know, to actually you know make something custom isn't that much more of an issue and you know like like jeff has completely turned this around and made that his whole thing now you know with you know with the custom handles and the colors and all that kind of thing and you know toma does it pretty much the same as well they're always the same blade but the handles are you know completely customized so it doesn't need to be as binary as i mean you can do that or that you you know you, you can do the two and work them in and i mean if you've got as Morocco said, if you can do an extra one, maybe two knives on top of your orders a month, stick them out on a, on a newsletter, and if they sell, great. Next time, allocate a bit more time and do it sort of gradually. It doesn't, you don't have that, this binary line where I'm either doing that or I'm doing that. Because that's a question we get a lot of as well. If people say, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a regular nine to five and I do a bit of knife making, when is the time to, like, to become you know, a full-time knife maker? And again, there's no you know set time. It can be a gradual thing, and I think that's people are you know very keen to just want to jump ship and jump the line very very quickly. Sure. But you know you've got to test the waters and do things over time, and you'll find you know if things are going well over time, you think well actually the side hustle is actually earning more money than the other one. Maybe it's time you know to sort of whittle back the other one. You know it's it's, it's different for everybody, but yeah, don't think there's this this line where I'm either doing that or I'm doing that. No, do a bit of both. I think that's a good point. And customs can very much uh, exist on a kind of a spectrum where you do offer very little 
customization to full-on customization. I think that's a very good yeah. point to make. Uh, and I do think also, Craig, you make another good point about easing into it is a kind of... I'm good, aren't I? I'm you're fucking the best. good today. You're the fucking best. You're on fire. <laughs> He's all about easing into it. Oh! Easing, yeah, easing oh. into that tub. Oh! <laughs> no. <laughs> good, good. No, you, uh, if you ease into uh, the newsletter, maybe you haven't started a newsletter, but you can start training your audience by easing into it and making that like Craig said, if it if it if you if you find success in that, then just kind of add a little bit more and more uh, over time, and before you know it, you don't have to take customer <laughs> custom orders anymore. If you don't want to, you just make whatever the fuck you want because you've trained everybody to go to the newsletter and wait and expect something cool from there. Yeah, in in forty years' time, when you're standing there in the shop with toffees in your pocket, with your gray in hair, just jingling those. Go, oh toffees. yes. I remember that time when I made that decision. Yeah. Do you think, guys, that there is this mental block between people saying, I want to become a full time knife maker and I want to be, I want to start a business? These are almost like a mental block. Well, it's like two different, it's like two different, it's like two different, it's almost as if I agree. It's almost like it's two different things. Like, let's say you wanted to start a deli, I'm going to start a business. You don't say I'm going to be a full-time hmm. delist or delicate. Yeah, delicate I'm stop making sandwiches. You know, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that we've we've created there, or we or somebody has created this like, you know, back alley mind control where it's like it's different from just I'm going to I'm starting a new business, you know, and it's like we're going to stay artisanal or artisans, but just take more money, but we don't kind of hmm. see that the two aren't. The two are totally different. Like I don't, you don't say I'm going to be a full time newspaper man, or I, mean, I don't. That was of the war. I thought about all sorts <laughs> what, of. What do you I mean? I thought about. I tell you what, <laughs> that fucking microsecond of thinking of what could I say? <laughs> I almost said a gas pump attendant, and I thought <laughs> that's bad. So what would be better? A newspaper. newspaper man. And then there was this total microsecond where it was going to be newspaper boy, and then it went to newspaper man, and I was like Jesus. fucking terrible. Sometimes you swing and miss, guys. What can I say? Trying so hard not to offend anybody, <laughs> you offended yourself. There, I Jeff. totally. I just, uh, you know, I thought about all these different jobs you could be a full time, and both of them were dumb. So, the other thing is, is this for this for Farrell is I would just want, make one thing that will make your life a lot easier is you have to constantly update your your timing. Like you can just as long as people know when they're going to expecting it. Then you won't feel this need to like rush somebody's shit out. Like if you were very well aware that it's going to be six months, then let's you know be on their schedule and make it happen. But also, don't... if you can afford to not take deposits, don't take deposits. I feel like, All right. at least from my experience. I mean, you know, then these fuckers walk. You know, then just then these fuckers walk, and I, I just I. I was talking to somebody, and I was I was thinking about the uh, metal shop I was at last. We were getting a ton of work coming in, and it was fast paced, and it was hard, and it were long nights, and there was like you know t- crazy deadlines. They need to take a deposit to get the material and get the job rolling, and make sure that this is a serious thing. I don't see. I mean, I don't know how. I, I, God bless you if you cannot have to take deposits, and you say, "All right, I just trust you." Fucking God bless you. But like when you have to make that, but I, I, but I, go ahead. 
sorry, I think that's the thing, though. I think he doesn't want to be doing um, custom orders for people. He wants to be doing his own thing. So if that was the case, he wouldn't be taking deposit, surely, because if he's just making the thing, then selling it, it's just a straight-out sale. There's no deposit involved, you know? That's the bet. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get it. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. ahead of everything, making it harder to get custom orders from us so I can get ahead on all of our custom orders and make stuff available. I mean, that's the goal. But, you know passing up opportunities sometimes you know they're you know sometimes i get a bulk order like there's a bulk order coming up that i'd be crazy not to take you know and it's like Mm. it would be it would help the payroll it would help the company it would help a lot of stuff that i need to do so you know well and maybe the limited model running run is is a way to go like obviously you guys both do limited model runs um and maybe if you have the audience that's interested in that you get them you know, jazzed about that and then take pre-orders. And then you just, at that point, you're just working in a batch doing the same thing over and over. And sure, it might be, maybe is mindless, but it pays the bills. And then, and then you can maybe go and express yourself in another way through a different style of knife that you've been drawing or dreaming about somewhere down the road. Speaking of limited, Mm. I just got the proof back for my first print. I first print. My, I'm going to be selling prints. We just ordered a pile of prints that we're going to start selling a fader knives of one of my progression drawings. Okay. I swear to God. Oh, let your watercolors. Uh, I tell you what, AZ rules. Allison, God damn it, she found this guy in Philly, a, a one man operation who does these prints, and we got and my buddy Andy B did the scan, and I swear to God, I looked at this print and I thought it was a watercolor, on this beautiful watercolor hmm. paper. Ah, can't believe it. Never thought I'd see this day. Nice. Some art shit going out. So get your eyes out. <laughs> get your eyes open. This is going to be some beautiful, beautiful print coming out. Nice. When, when are you releasing these? Are, are these going to be sort of limited runs? or Well, we're, we got a like batch. We're buying a batch, and I'm going to be numbering them and signing them, and it's going to be like real fucking nice. So it'll be like a, we got a batch of them, and we're going to keep them until we got them, until we're done with them. So they come in like a sleeve that somebody can then frame later? They're going to come in an envelope with backing and paper and protection. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you 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 could put these in a frame. These are nice, really nice. Like my wife told me, don't fucking open it up and touch it with your disgusting hands. Nice. That's how nice. <laughs> nice. Get your get your fucking greasy hands off that proof, you knucklehead. That's what she said. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Look forward to seeing those. Right. Sh- shall we call this a day? I, um, we just do because one we, more we've dilemma. We've got some slapping to talk about. One more dilemma. Yeah, just one more it. dilemma. Just because I've been dying to get through this for this for a while. This one comes from Armor Cutlery. Hey, guys, I have a dilemma. My wife made me some T-shirts to wear at knife shows. They have my name and some phrases off the website. The problem is, apparently, she misread something. On one T-shirt, instead of it saying knives are built for use and treasure, it says knives are built for use and pleasure. So should I, so should I, so should I tell her about the error, or would it be easier just to change my website? Love the show. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I love it. Change the hilarious. T-shirt as opposed to the website. I don't know. Misprints are the best. How great is a misprint? I swear to God. Oh, oh yeah. my God. How great is a misprint? Knives yeah. are used for unless, built for pleasure. Unless it's something you're publishing, and then the proofs come back. You're like, oh fuck. I once. Oh fuck. Months of work. I once went to uh, my brother-in-law was living in Albuquerque, and we were in, we were in the store, and there, there was this. 
there was this rack of, you know, shirts, and one shirt said Albuquerque. Spelled Albuquerque wrong. <laughs> Albuquerque. I fucking got as many XLs as they had. I fucking grabbed them all. I, gra- I was like, I love this shirt because, <laughs> because it's like clearly not spelled right. It wasn't even funny. It was just yeah. like the Q was supposed to be a – they put a G instead of a Q. It was Albuquerque. And I was like, <laughs> I fucking grabbed a pile of them. I'm like, I want – all of these shirts because I'm going to wear them all the time. So there's all these pictures of me wearing this shirt that looks like a tourist shirt, but it's spelled wrong. It's the best. (laughs) Hot dog jumping frog. Okay. Let's call this a day. And, um, Sorry, was that a dilemma? It was, it was a dilemma. A dilemma. What's, what's, what's he, he going to do? Was, sorry, divorce sorry. his wife, right? I mean, that's what's the answer. <laughs> that's the easy. That's the easy one, isn't it? Yeah, you, you don't want to go through changing a website or that. Just divorce the yeah, wife. It's I far mean, easier. Hot, making yeah. it, make it hot. I mean, she's making that t-shirt hot for you. Knives are built for use <laughs> and pleasure, hey, baby. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this show is brought to you by. The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Uh, okay. What do we think? Real slap or not a real oh, slap? Oh, 100% real. Oh, yeah. Will Smith fucking wo- uh, molly whopped him. I mean, I was I lucky, he didn't, lucky he was able to stand up after that slap. I don't know. I still Are don't you kidding? know. See. Everybody's talking about it. And, uh, I don't, don't you I'm think? Not, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced. Well, we why say? would he put himself through all this turmoil of, like, the, the, the world, you know, the, the, the Academy Awards wants to take away, take away his membership? I mean, he's being vilified. I just think it was why, a, would he, why wouldn't he say it was a joke? Because it, it was a poor joke. I think that's what it was. Then you, then you fucking come like, out of it I, and I, say I, it was a poor I, joke. Uh, I don't know. I don't oh, know. I mean, how can you think if, you, if you look at it, he leans, it, you know... He, this is a, like a big slap. If you go up to somebody and you, you know, and you're going to slap them, you 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 just slap them. This was a big ham's back, and if that was the case, you'd punch them surely. And the fact that when he's walking back to his chair, he's smiling, not thinking, "Oh fuck, what have I just done?" You know, I don't. I don't I'm not sure. I'm I, not hundred percent convinced. I'm now going to convince you. This is now the court of <laughs> okay. public opinion, and the judges here. Okay, we are going to change your mind. Because <laughs> live on it. Because Come here's on. the here's a few things. Number one, if it was a joke, he wouldn't have started cursing afterwards. Don't sure. put your mic. That that's the one thing where I'm thinking yet yeah, maybe it's not. Like I said, I think it probably was real, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced. There's, that's what I'm there's saying. no way that Chris thought at the Oscars. That somebody would come up from the stage, a famous person that he knows, he knows they know each other, and then mm, he was going to yeah. give him a smash. There's just no way he we didn't back so up. What in any was of it. quite a quite a tame joke, really, wasn't? It? If you're there, you're going to get roasted, you know. And yeah, quite a tame joke. You could, even if you're offended, you just oh, well, I'm offended by that. I mean, I, I, you know, to, to do that. He's, well, and and, and, and Will at first was laughing. I mean, it's clear he was laughing, and I and and you also see Jada in the same frame, rolling her eyes and very mm, unentertained yeah. by the joke. And I guarantee she looks at him, he looks at her, and he's like, "Oh fuck, now I have to make up for this." So his solution yeah. is to throw a tantrum like a fucking child and walk up on mm. stage and do what he did in front of the entire world. And that was so like, fucking idiotic. That was like Manchurian I, candidate shit. That was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, legitimately like 
He, I mean, look, alopecia. I have friends who have an organization for alopecia, and it's it's very very. It's it for, especially for people who are, you know, it's it's a very it's stigmatizing. And it's very stigmatizing, mm. and it's very one of those things that like people are very hurt from it. And if you're in the public sure. eye, like Jada Pickett Smith, I'm sure she didn't really want to be in that position, you know, of, of make having a joke from a, someone that they're friends with. Sure. And what I've also that, heard is that he didn't know, and honestly, she has worn her hair like very short for a long time. And so, how if you didn't know? Then how would you have known that now that everybody was an inappropriate knows. joke? Well, yeah, well, of course. Now everybody knows. He's sure. he's she's been talking about it for months on her own podcast. So like, it's mean not that out he of listens it. to the podcast no, though, no, or that he pays attention to her at course. all. There, this listen. It was I'm Ricky Gervais says mm-hmm. says way worse stuff. I'll tell you what. Sure. Though, I was talking to my wife. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was talking to my <laughs> oh, wife yeah. last night. We were talking about Ricky Gervais when he did the Golden Globes. One of the probably the fucking funniest thing, you know. And if that was Ricky Gervais, he said to me, he says I wouldn't have made that joke about her hair. I would have made the joke about her boyfriend. There, there's <laughs> Will, Will Smith would have smushed him like a fucking like an ant number one. But the best yeah. thing that Ricky Gervais ever did was at the Golden Globes. He says I like a drink as much as the next man unless the next man's mel gibson and then introduces mel gibson that's the greatest line of all time i mean you can't make it up oh my god i i think i think a lot of it with with will smith was already publicly his wife has sort of ripped his balls off haven't she but you know admitting to having this well she's not even called it an affair you know with with her son's friend or something wasn't it, it was quite weird and then him having to go on air and not even like apologizing, you know, not not her apologizing to him, but him apologizing to her, saying, you know, you have this right to do. It was all just very weird. So I think this was him trying to get his sort of masculinity back, maybe. You know, it was just very. Funny. There was another thing. I guess he had written in a in a book about his childhood was that one of his biggest guilts was never being able to protect his mother, and I don't remember if it was who it was protecting. He moved in with his auntie, didn't he, in Bel Air. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> good one. Good one. Look at you, West Philly in the house. But he had, I guess, I'm under the impression that his mother was not protected against. I'm not 100 percent sure who. And he had this long Maybe some guilt, violence. Okay. this long guilt of not being able to protect this person. And it could have been like this traumatic thing that just put him into a rage. He looks over Jada and the next thing you know, he's up on the stage. And I mean, that was well choreographed. I will say something that I've been saying for years is that at some point Hollywood needs to, has to have some sort of uh, responsibility for creating this subliminal uh, idea that justice is meted out with violence. There is some. Mm. I've been. It's been driving yeah. me crazy for years that these these the hero solves his problems with his fists. The hero solves his problem with guns and knives. And the, you know, the, mm. the, there's never. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be a very good action movie if they just talk their way through everything. Clearly, <laughs> however, but we've we've now created this this mindset that justice is meted out with violence, and you yeah. know, and it's like. I was it was it was it was upsetting honestly. I thought it, I I watched that video probably like 10 times. Sure. And every time yeah. it gets well, more and more upsetting, you know. Yeah, I woke up in the morning and I got the like the the BBC news notification and I turn all notifications off apart from BBC news because generally that means shit's going down, you know, if if they 
saying that lately has been fucking terrible. Like celebrity news, terrible. But anyway, and 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 the the thumbnail was just this picture of him slapping him, and it says like Will Smith slaps, you know, live at the Oscars, and it's just like fuck me. So you have a look, and he's just like, whoa, whoa. And I've got to say, it was. Chris Rock handled it very well, and he? he's like, "Dude, dude, it's just a joke," and it, it, you could see him sort of dying inside. But he held it together. It was, yeah, just crazy. Well, Absolutely I guess crazy. Chris had a, a well. Obviously, now his tour is like booked. So, I mean, he just he just sold yes, every seat. In the he's house. got a story to tell. So apparently, yeah. everybody was waiting. Last night was his first night of you know since the incident, and he just said, "I'm still processing this." Now. What's interesting mm. about Chris is he is very open about his dealing with trauma and that he has a lot of childhood trauma and even adult trauma. And he sees a therapist in regards to the traumas that he's seen in life. So, I, mm. I mean, you want to talk about someone who's in touch with his problems and then deals with probably the single worst unimaginable thing you can imagine if you're a comedian. You think oh, sure. you're in some shit house and like Parsippany telling jokes and the guys heckling you is one thing, but you don't expect in a black tie mm. event a friend of yours who's one of the number one actors in the world comes up and you know, put he can put his hands on you on stage after you make a nothing special Demi Moore joke. You know, mm. it's it's unthinkable. And Demi yeah. Moore, pay it. P.S. Demi Moore looked fucking good in G.I. Jane, so I don't think Jada Very, Pinkett should have yes. had too too upset about it because. Demi yeah. Moore and G.I. Jane. Come on, baby. I mean, let's, let's stop fooling around now, everybody. It's, it didn't say she looked like Jenny McCarthy. for or, uh, McCarthy. What's the big one? What's the other, what's the other McCarthy? Yeah, Jenny. Yeah, I know the one you The other mean, McCarthy. Yeah. Not Jenny McCarthy either. That would have been a good one, too. You know? <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, they say that they asked him to leave and he refused. Like, well, they, I would imagine security there is pretty tight. You know, so it, it, they didn't really ask him to leave, let's face it. Because if they needed him to leave, he would have had to have left. They couldn't have possibly imagined that somebody was going to, you know, uh, you think about people who run up on stage. You know, you see these videos of like Adam Levine's on stage. This girl, this girl comes up to him mm. and, the, and then the security guard puts, her hands, puts his hands on Wrestle her. To the, yeah. You don't possibly imagine that an A-star person is going to come up on stage and give it to you. There's no way. No. There's no way. Yeah. It's crazy. It's totally Madness. crazy. He's on that Tom Cruise bullshit. That Tom Cruise, maybe I'm a Scientologist and I, I'm being controlled by the aliens uh, bullshit. Yeah. There's something like that. You know? <laughs> well, he's, he's seen the Men in Black. You've seen them. He's talked to them. He knows the truth. I don't know, man. I, I'm a fan of Will Smith, but that was really hard to watch. Really hard to watch. Yeah. You know? But... Agreed. He's going to have to disappear for a bit, I think, isn't he? He got enough money. And his dopey kid said, you didn't yeah. hear what his dopey kid said on Twitter? He said, that's how we do, no. or something like that. <laughs> something like, that's how oh. we take care of It's just like, <laughs> come on, man. Help your dad out oh, by shutting Jesus. the fuck up. I mean, Jesus yeah, sure. Christ. You know? Oh, God man. damn. And then, when I was down in uh, Johnstown, uh, uh, Taylor Hawkins died. That was oh, terrible. Yes. Fuck, Yes. That upset me more than I thought it would as well. You know, sure. it's a complete stranger, you know, but, yeah, felt that one, you know. It's, yeah, madness. They've been on Howard Stern so many times, and Taylor Hawkins has been on so many yeah. times, and I've actually heard him just be normal. You know, like, he would go on with Dave Grohl, and then they would be normal and fun and happy, and it yeah. was very, very mm. sad. I mean, he's, I mean, what Dave Grohl has gone through in terms of losing yeah. Kurt Cobain and then losing Taylor Hawkins, who... Taylor Hawkins probably was he was much closer with as a person. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've you've actually read it or heard the audio book yet, but the, the storytelling book um, by Dave Grohl, which he launched this year, it's, it's, it's incredible, especially the audio book, because he's narrating it. It's, it's amazing. Um, but, yeah, you know, he talks about, you know, this whole band of brothers and, you know, they're best friends, right. you know, for him to go through this sure. again. And especially what happened last time where he said he couldn't even listen to music for years, you know, afterwards. Oh, um, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it, it really cuts. Really that was, that was really hard. Cause I, yeah, it was really, really hard. Did you see Dave Grohl in Hot Ones? He was pretty good. I haven't seen it. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I I love him. I could yeah. watch him in any sort of interview or anything. He's he's always good entertainment. He's isn't he? terrific, he's, and you know, it's just you don't know. I mean, he's probably of our generation. Probably he's like one of the probably most prolific in terms of our yeah. generation of musicians. And for sure, to be yeah. able to go from Nirvana to Foo Fighters and to still be relevant yeah. is you know like Paul McCartney shit. And then actually. Yeah, without a doubt. And yeah. that's the connection. Yeah. That's, you know, the reason why the, um, I think Paul McCartney inducted them into some, was it the Rock and, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't think it was Foo Fighters Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He, he, they have, yes, it was Foo Fighters. I'm pretty sure it was Foo Fighters got uh, inducted by Paul McCartney. And the reasoning why is because of Paul McCartney's rise from the Beatles to Wings there's a, a, a mm. similar kind of, a, uh, you know, arisal, fucking wrong word, another, another wrong word, from, you know, yeah, the Beatles yeah. to the Wings and then Nirvana to the Foo Fighters. It's like there is a similarity yeah. there. Yeah. But Wings were never the biggest band in the world, whereas Foo Fighters are. Well, but I mean, yeah. in terms of... And at, the, at, the, at one time, Nirvana were too. It's, 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 but the yeah, timing prolific. of Wings, the timing of, I mean, what Wings was at the time was as... I mean, they weren't as big as the Beatles, but I mean, they were comparable to any other band at the time, don't you think? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. As Alan Partridge said, the, the Wings were the, the band the Beatles could have been. Right. <laughs> Sad. And on that note, shall we call it a day? I know you, you, you've you got something to get off to. I'm with you, man. It's good to be back, okay. guys. Well, thank thanks you for, all. Uh, thanks for coming. Thank you all for listening. Back. Yeah. Look, oh yeah, by the way, if you're still listening, we're planning maybe on doing something next week, something a bit more special, which we'll have a think about over the next couple of days and we'll tell you during the week. Um, whereas hopefully we can do some good with the show, because at the moment, let's face it, we're just telling dick jokes, we're not doing any good for anyone. <laughs> Come on, um, man. What are you talking about? Everyone's, <laughs> I got messages saying more dick jokes. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, we can, we can certainly do that. We can certainly do that. Okay, but yeah, but yeah. During the week, um, hopefully we'll be able to get some news out of something that we're hoping to do maybe next week, and we'll go from there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.